This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. We are in Psalm 132. These are the Psalm of the Saints, And uh, what that means is these are songs that were sung as they went to the different festivals each year. They were sung by, sung by all the people. These are the greatest hits of the book of Psalms. And these are the ones that everybody knew because they were the Psalms that the music that got them excited and all of the certain music that were sung during your day was, is, is still your favorite music to the day. The, the music of, of your teenage years always is your favorite to the very day. And it is for me also. <clears throat> and uh, that's, that is a, that's a uh, thing that happens with everyone. It is, it is a, it's just a natural sociological thing that happens uh, as you begin to uh, venture out beyond yourself and begin to think about the world and your place in the world. And for us, that is whole different genres and different types of music as you go through the decades. But for them, during that day, they had new songs and new music, but it wasn't spread like it was today because you now have Casey Kasem's Top 100. You don't have all that going on. What you have is what you have is just the music of, of the people, and it was passed down. So these psalms that are being sung here and that we've been going over for the last couple of weeks, the Psalm of the Ascents, were the psalms that were sung during the most exciting time, during the time when if you were traveling up to a festival and you were a teenager, it was a time to actually run into and meet new people that you've never seen before and maybe even find love there and, and all that kind of stuff. And it was very important to them. The reason I bring that up is, is as you read these psalms and as you study these psalms and we look at them, this psalm is a very pointed psalm about David's position in the kingdom of God and about his lineage and God's plan for him in the future. And you say, well, why does that matter? That matters because the people of Israel for hundreds and even a thousand years as they went up to Jerusalem to worship, they would have sung these songs. They would have sung these songs. And so the Jewish people for a millennia, for a thousand years, understood that God had a plan, a future plan that would come through the line of David and that one of his sons would sit on a throne, an eternal throne, forever and ever. Well, if that's the case, then um, they were expecting that. And uh, even the people of Jesus's day, even the people of, of Jesus's time would have been looking for that. They would have been expecting that to be the case. And they would have been searching for a Messiah. And any word of a coming Messiah, any word of a coming king, would have been exciting to them. Just those of us who get into reading God's word and studying God's word and then realizing that there's prophecy about the end times, get excited about those things. So also the Jewish people would have been excited about the promises of the Old Testament for a coming Messiah. And they would have been looking for him as they did. 
And and many times you see the uh, Pharisees coming to Jesus and saying, are you the prophet that Moses talked about? You see them coming to Jesus on John the Baptist's behalf and, and saying, uh, are you the one? Are you the one that uh, John has been foretelling? And so if you notice, there's a continual looking, searching, and uh, going forth, trying to find the Messiah that is to come. And during the time of Jesus, when we celebrate the birth of Jesus, during that time of searching out and searching for Jesus, they would have been actually, this would have been a great, this would have been a, this would have been something that the Jewish people would have been expecting. And how do I know that? Because one of their favorite songs to sing going up to the, uh, going up to the temple, one of their favorite songs to sing was this song. And so when we study this psalm, you need to understand that the Jewish people for a long time were looking for uh, a Messiah. They were looking for a king to come. And, and more importantly, the, the common people were not so much the, the uh, leadership that was so intrinsic and, I mean, so uh, intricately uh, uh, woven into the fabric of the Roman Empire or were uh, a part of the Roman Empire. But we're talking about God, the, the people of Israel watching this. It says here, uh, a song of ascent of David. He says, Lord, my heart is not haughty. Sorry, I'm Psalm 132, a song of ascent. Lord, remember David and all his afflictions. Wow. You don't think of David as being afflicted, but if he was afflicted, he was a struggle. His life was a struggle. It was a struggle when he was growing up. It was a struggle when he was under Saul. And then as he's putting the kingdom and putting together the kingdoms and bringing about his complete rule of Israel and pulling together the different parts of Israel, it was a struggle. And then and then after he becomes king, being king and dealing with his own heart and who he is, is a struggle. He says, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob. Notice, David had a relationship with God. <clears throat> And he had promises that he made to God. Surely I will not go into the chamber of my house or go up to the comfort of my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. And this is speaking to David going out and seeking a place to build the first temple. He would not build it. God would not allow him to build it because he was a man of blood. He was a, he was a warrior, and God did not want a warrior to build that temple. He he was a man. He was a man after God's own heart, and yet it wasn't in God's plan for him to build the temple. And notice all the promises that are given to David, all the love God has for David. But it wasn't David. It wasn't God's. It wasn't God's desire for David to. And so many times in our lives, we won't the things that uh, God doesn't want for us, and we fail to realize the great parts of the things that he does want for us and grab hold of those things. It, it is so difficult. So many times we look around and we say, I want that. And God says, yeah, but I've already planned this for you, and this is perfect for you. That over there is something that you think you want until you get in the middle of it, and then you really don't want that. We, we're so easy to wander away from the good things God has already prepared and God has already put in place for us. We're so easy to wander away from those things. And then for, we're, um, we're off in the midst of our own will and our own desires and not 
looking around and enjoying the good things that God has prepared for us. It happens all the time in our lives. It happens all the time in our life. God had a great place for, for David. God had a great thing going on for David. How can you get any better? From his line, there's going to be a Messiah come. The Messiah is going to sit on a throne that's named after him. Literally, God himself is going to sit on a throne named after David. How can you get any better than that? I don't think you can get any better than that. But God said, you're going to find a place to build a temple but you're not going to build it. Your son's going to build it because I, I can't have a man of blood, which is who de God made David to be. It's not It's not like David did anything wrong. It's, it's just that wasn't for David. It wasn't for David to do it. And sometimes in life, it just ain't for you. And it might be for your children. It might be for uh, somebody you love and care about. It might be something that they should be doing. And you know what? You need to grab hold of, of the promises God has for them and push them toward the things that God has for them. And just because it's not for you doesn't mean it's not a good thing. It doesn't mean that it's not something that you ought to ought, ought, uh, not desire for somebody else. David knew that God... He wanted a place, a permanent place. Now, remember, David's the one that brought the tabernacle into the city. He's the one that went and got it and had his one of his good friends die and got upset and left it and uh, went back to Jerusalem to sulk and then finally realized, you know what, the presence of God is more important uh, than my feelings. And he, he went and, and got that ark and brought it into Jerusalem and uh, placed the tabernacle there, except he didn't put the walls around the tent. He allowed people to see into the tent. He allowed people to see in the tent of meeting. And it's called the Tabernacle of David to this very day. And there was worship day and night, <clears throat> uh, 24 hours a day. All day long, there was worship there, and there was the worship of God there. And uh, so they, it's not like David di didn't have a spiritual side to him that was important. He absolutely did. And not only David understood the cost that it was going to be to build the temple, and it, he understood the cost it should be for him uh, to want and desire that, that thing that God had placed on his heart to do which is to build the temple. I think of the great story of David going into the place not too far from his own hometown. As, if you, as you notice, not too far from Bethlehem. He goes out and he finds uh, on a hill in Jerusalem, we call it Mount Zion today, but he finds on a hill in Jerusalem the perfect place to build the temple. And someone else owns that place and and uh, David is king, and he he goes up and he says, I, I want this land to build God's temple on, to build a permanent place for God to dwell among his people. And and the owner of that land, he thinks, wow, that is, what a great plan that is. I love that idea. I always thought that hilltop ought to be something special. And my goodness, it's going to be the, it's going to be the greatest hilltop in the world. And, and ultimately, it really is. And he says, I tell you what, king, I'm going to give this to you. I, I can't take any money for, from you. And then David says these words, and they're great words. They're great words. Far be it from me to do something for God that cost me nothing. Wow, what a great understanding. He said, far be it from me to do a great deed or do a deed for God, and it cost me nothing. He understood sacrifice. The building of that temple was going to be a sacrifice. It was going to be an important sacrifice. It's going to be one that cost a lot. And he understood that. And he said to himself, I'm going to pay for this hilltop. I'm not going to allow you to give it to me. It's not going to cost me nothing to serve God. I, I want 
my service to cost something. I want it to be of some value to me. Sometimes I have clients that come in and they don't have a whole lot of money, but I usually force them to pay me something. And the reason I force them to pay me something is because I want them to have skin in the game. I want it to be important to them as it is to me. If I'm going to work on it, if I'm going to put my labor into it. You need to put something into it. Don't have to be, be millions of dollars, but it's got to be something. And as we go through life, it's important that you understand that the best things in life cost you something. The best things in life cost you something that is very necessary. And you know what? You say, my salvation didn't cost me anything. That's exactly right. But once you're born again, once you, once that pot price has been paid, Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. What does that mean? What it means is you're going to glorify me with your life and it's going to cost something. The glorification that you do of my, of me and my life is in, of me and your life, that's what God says. The glorification of me through your life is going to cost you something. It's going to be of value to you so that it has eternal value, so that it has eternal value uh, down the road, so that people see it and know that what is going on has value and costs something. He said, behold, we've heard of it. And now, if you've got uh, dyslexia, which I do, and you read that, there's three H's in there, and that's just wrong for you to do to me, because there's no way I can look at that and put those in the right order when you got three H's. Just not possible. So I'm going to say it's Ephratha, and if it's not that at all, because I can't really tell what it is, you're just going to have to live with it. For me, it's Ephratha. Okay? He says, we found it in the fields of the woods. Let us go into his tabernacle. Let us worship at his footstool. footstool. Arise, O Lord, to your resting place, you in the ark of your strength. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness and let your sh saints sh shout for joy. Notice David is, David, David is, is they're, they're singing a song about how David uh, got the place to build the temple and they built the temple and he go, he go let's go in. Let's worship. That's a, that's a hallmark of God's people. How I can tell a church has got something going on. People are excited to worship God. How I can tell when God's moving. People are excited to worship God. It's important for uh, God's people to be excited about what he's doing. Without it, they're wandering in the wilderness. And uh, when I see apathy in the church, I realize that there's apathy in the home. When there's apathy in the home, I realize there's apathy in the workplace. When there's apathy in the workplace, I realize that the, that the presence and power of God's not at work around us. And that is a scary thing to have happen. If you want to see the presence of God, you must first go up and meet with him, with the people. You must not fail to assemble yourself. You must desire to be in his presence. And a strong desire of God's people to be in his presence is going to be a strong presence indeed of himself among them. And it's going to be a lot of power there. And so he says, he says, for your servants, David's sake, do not turn away the face of your anointed. Notice he's talking about Jesus, the, the anointed of God. He says, for, for David's sake, don't turn uh, the anointed away from us, Lord. We, we want his face. We want his presence. Do you, wanna, do you want the anointed of God's presence? And, and the anointed of God is Jesus himself. Do you want that? He says, the Lord has sworn, his, sworn in truth to David. He will not turn from it, meaning God's going to send. Notice they're singing this every time. God's going to send an anointed. He's going to send that, that anointed king of kings. He's going to do it. And as they're singing, every year, two and three times a year, as they go to Jerusalem for a festival, for, for a, a time of meeting and a time of worship, as they're going up to do that once, twice, three, four times a year, they are excited 
they're excited and they're going and they're and they're singing about what they're singing about the promises of a messiah well can you imagine they all were looking for a messiah they were all looking for a messiah you know what it's sad sometimes around here we're not looking for a messiah we take it for granted far be it from us to offer god something that cost us let's not let it cost us nothing let us call let it cost us all so that we might have all in eternity he says here the lord has sworn in his truth to david he will not turn from it he says i will set upon your throne the fruit of your body notice that's a promise of date to david that he is going to place one of his line on his throne he says if your sons will keep my covenant and my testimony which I shall teach them, their sons shall also sit upon your throne forevermore. Notice, not only is there going to be the anointed one, but it's going to be the children of God sitting on his throne. It's a promise that this is an eternal kingdom, and it's going to have eternal uh, souls or eternal beings a part of it. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place, the kingdom of God. God, God has chosen Zion. He's chosen, he's chosen that mountain but he's also chosen his kingdom for his dwelling place. He says, this is my resting place for, where's God's resting place forever? God's resting place forever is with his people. God's place of rest is with us. What? Yep, that's the way it is. As you get older and you get to Christmas time, and I, I never really understood this. I, it seemed logical to me, but I, I just wasn't real sure about that. And I got a little drainage, so my eyes itchy a little bit. I, and, and I wasn't sure about this. And I can remember when I was young, my dad and, you know, grandfather and folks like that, what do you want for Christmas? I'll just get me some socks or I'd say get a tie or something like that. I'm sitting there going, you got 192 ties. Why do you need another tie? The point was that it wasn't that. And it's always nice to have a new tie. The point was, is that they really didn't need anything because they got into a certain age where we really don't need, I don't need anything. I can, I, I have Amazon. And I know how to use it. And I can order stuff on my own. And more money than you, most of the time, people, younger people in my family. It's not like you're going to buy me something that I can't buy myself. So I don't really need that. But you know what I'd like to have? I'd like to have you come see me. I'd like to have you come hang out with me. I'd like to have you be here on Christmas and us be a family together. That's what I mean. When that, that goes out, not just to my children, but my, my nieces and nephews and, and my brothers and sisters and all my family. You want to be with your family during Christmas time, right? That's what you want. And notice, as you grow older, you become more God. Does God need anything from me? Does he need my sacrifice? No, God doesn't need my sacrifice. I need my sacrifice. God does not need anything that I can give him, but I need what I give him. I need to give it. It's important for me to give it. And you know what he wants? He just wants my presence. So, so many Christians spend Sunday after Sunday not coming into the presence of God. So many Christians, what happens? They're missing out because in his presence is it is his best. And you can't find it out there on your own by yourself. You're not going to find it without coming to meet with him. Um, there is an old matriarch in our family who she won't even give you a Christmas present till you come see her. You can't be sending. She won't say it don't get sent in the mail. That's not the way it works. You got to come see her. 
Gotta spend some time with her. She ain't, she's not interested in you and you uh, receiving her gifts from afar. I'm gonna tell you, God's not interested in 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 in, in sending his gifts from afar. He, he's interested in personal relationship. He's interested in intimacy. He's interested in, in knowing you. That's important. He says, This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell for. I have desired it. What does he desire? He's desired to be with you. He says, I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. What is he saying? I'm gonna, I'm gonna bless you with taking care of all your physical needs. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure you're okay. Why? Because I'm gonna be in your presence and you're gonna be with me. He says, I will also clothe her priest with uh, salvation. Notice he's gonna have a message of hope that's going to clothe his priest. He's gonna get, gonna give him a message of of hope and life. Yeah, you can't be encouraged each week if you're by yourself. If God's got a got God's got someone to uh, speak a message of hope to you, and you're not there to hear it. You don't get no hope. That was very poor English of me, but it was Southern English, and I know you understood it. He said, "I will also clothe your priest, your uh, priest with salvation, and her saints shall shout uh, aloud with joy." When's the last time you had a lot of joy? For me. Most of the time I have a lot of joys in the church or, or when I'm with my family. Isn't that the way, it, way it's supposed to be? Absolutely. And it's the same way with God. It's the same way for God. He says, there I will make the horn of David grow. Notice, when he meets with us, the horn, always when you hear the word horn, you think of power. All right? The horn is the power of David. He says, I will make the power of David grow. Well, what is the power of David? David had the tabernacle of David, and then he went and bought the temple mount so that the very presence of God would be permanent with us. So what is the horn of David? What is the power of David? The power of David is communion with God. And he says, I'm going to make it grow when we're together. I'm going to make my power grow when we're together. It's only going to grow when we're in his kingdom and when we're meeting together regularly. It doesn't grow. Uh, it doesn't grow when you're out there on your own. It doesn't happen. Can't happen. Not going to happen. Too bad. So sad. I know you got bit you busy on the weekends. Okay, that's fine. But the power of God's not going to grow in your life if you're not in his presence on a regular basis. He says, I will prepare. He says, I will prepare a lamp for my anointed. Notice he's going to show you the way. He's gonna show you the way. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna show Jesus the way. And then in that way, as we walk and see him walk that way, he's the light of the world, then we become the light of the world. He he says he's the power of God, then we see the power of God at work in our lives. He says, his enemies I will clothe with shame. But upon himself, his crown shall flourish. What a great Bible study this morning. Right there in the middle of a bunch of three verse psalms. We've got a great psalm about the anointed of God and how God's plans are uh, to prosper us and not to harm us, give us hope in a future. We we see that. And how does that happen? David showed us the way, and the, the way is to be in the presence of God. So many times we miss out on the presence of God. And let me tell you something, it ruins a week not to be in the presence of God. And the number of times that I've done that over the last 20 years, I can probably count on my fingers and toes. I don't really need to take my shoes off to count to 20, but I could probably count that many. And let me say this. If you have those that are real close to you in your family who don't understand that principle, they're missing out. And the reason they are 
in such a just a melee, a struggle, uh, uh, difficulty. The reason they're in that is because they're failing to meet with God on a regular basis. And I'm sorry people say, I meet with God on my own. No, and the reason I say, no, you don't, is because if you're not doing what he says in his word, then you don't really believe what you're saying. You don't really believe that. It's not possible. God says, do not fail to assemble yourself over in scripture. And we've learned that from the book of Psalms. Here, there's a call to come together as God's people and meet with him and meet with each other. And you can't say, you can't say, I'm just as much a part of the family as anybody else, but I never come and meet with the family. Just don't work that way. And you can't say that the power of God is uh, at work in your life when you're not meeting with God and God's people on a regular basis. Just ain't going to happen. Just doesn't work that way. So if you've got folks in your family that feel that way, you don't have to uh, condemn them, but you do need to encourage them that, that they're missing out a lot and uh, more than they can imagine by being separated from God. And I pray that won't be the case for you. I pray for sure that it won't be the case for your family. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.